morning when all the dead in Christ shall rise. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. In weakness, raised in power, ready to live in paradise. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. I'll have a new home. Glory, glory. With the redeemed, no God understand. No more pain, there'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness of my Savior, ready to live in glory land. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life Youthful and happy I shall be I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life Glorified with Him forever Death will be lost in victory I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life I'll have a new home Glory, glory With the redeemed Never stand no more pain, there'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness of my likeness. ready to live. I'll be glad. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Eternal life. Oh, hallelujah, morning when the last trump of God shall sound. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life, eternal praise, all bursting saints are shouting heavenly beauty all around. I'll have a new body, praise the Lord, I'll have a new life, oh yes, I'll have a new home, glory, glory, with a reading, no understand. No more pain, there'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness of my likeness. Ready to live, I'll be glad. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be. Welcome to the Passion for Christ show. So glad to have you. Welcome, 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 welcome indeed. I just want to let you know I'm part of the greatest movement ever, a follower of Jesus Christ, because you see in him and him alone, I find peace, joy, forgiveness. I am blessed beyond measure, more than I can ever deserve. My goal here is very simple. That is to encourage you, friend, along the way to help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. Upcoming in our study segment, we're going to be talking about knowing our enemy knowing our enemy but before we get there a few things along the way and the first is headline news well get this friend you won't believe it according to a new national poll Nearly all Americans believe underage minors should not be permitted to undergo sex change surgeries, but many are too afraid to speak up about it. That's right, folks. That's the climate we live in today. That is the climate we live in today. The poll was conducted by Summit Ministries in collaboration with McLaughlin and Associates 
ask American voters to give their opinions on transgenderism and sex and gender-based curriculum being taught in elementary schools. When asked whether underage minors should be encouraged to undergo permanent gender alteration, 90% of Americans said they should wait until they are a legal adult to undergo such operations. Just 10% of Americans said that minors should be encouraged to undergo permanent gender alterations. Well, folks, that just proves to me there are still some level-headed people in this world yet, yet, yet. Mm. It continues. Another vast majority, 93% of this survey of American voters believe that it is possible to distinguish between men and women, while 7% said it's not possible to distinguish between the two genders. Nearly 3 in 10 Americans, 28%, however, believe that the sexual-based curriculum is perfectly appropriate use of instructing of instruction time. Mm, get that, folks. Get that. 90% of Americans oppose sex change surgeries for minors, but many are too afraid to speak up. Oh, fine. Folks, don't be afraid to speak up for what is good, right, and I tell you what, the climate we live in, though, sure makes people a little bit leery to say what's really on their mind and what they really believe in. Well, get this. During a Christian festival last Saturday, pastor and best-selling Christian author Francis Chan denounced the common pro-choice slogan, My Body, My Choice, by asserting that God says nothing is yours. Chan, one who was one of the speakers at the annual Christian festival, The Sin, at Giha Field at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City, delivered a sermon from the book of Job. During his sermon, Chan 54 wondered if the Lord commends believers who are standing for the sanctity of life just as he commended Job for his obedience. Could it be? He said that God is saying, look at this generation. Look at these people. They're not going to back off from the word of God. They actually believe in a judgment day. They're willing to preach that. They're actually willing to speak for the voices of the unborn. They're not backing off of that. For many of us who think that we can come into the presence of God and just say, God, why did you make me this way? Why did I go through this? This is my body, my choice. God says, no, wait a second. No, nothing is yours. I spoke this world into existence. The world is the Lord's and everything in it. It's all made by him, and he doesn't owe me an explanation. Here you go. Francis Chan pushes back against the pro-choice slogan, my body, my choice. God says, nothing is Yours. Mmm, folks, what a comment. What preaching. But listen to this. On Sunday, Evangelical Christian Human 
humanitarian and organization Samaritan's Purse airlifted 28 Ukrainian refugees to safety to Toronto, Canada from Poland. The organization used one of its DC-8 cargo planes to carry grandmothers, mothers, and children of all ages. Natalia, who is eight months pregnant, shared that it has been a difficult and emotional journey for her and her family. It's just been difficult, hard. We are preparing for our new baby, and we had to put our whole life in a suitcase. We did not know where we would go. We just ran away. Then God gave us mercy. When we were found by Samaritan's Purse, we have hope again. It just makes you just break down and, and cry listening to some of these folks. Samaritan's Purse airlifts Ukrainian refugees to Canada. We can have hope again. Amen, folks. Amen. In fact, Samaritan's Purse, doctors and nurses are also working at multiple medical facilities all across the Ukraine. Collectively, they have tended to over 8,700 patients. Further, Samaritan's Purse has provided more than 1,400 tons of food to Ukraine and 17,000 backpacks for children. Good work, folks. Good work. And that's our headline news. For this broadcast. Now folks we have. This day. In church history. In 1277 AD. Scarlet Pope John the 11th. Is crushed to death. At Vertebo. Italy. When his study ceiling collapsed on him. Imagine that folks. In 1506, death of Christopher Columbus in Valladolid, Spain. The explorer had opened the Americas to colonization and considered his mission to bring Christianity, or considered it his mission to bring Christianity to the New World. A cannonball in 1521 strikes Spanish shoulder Ignacio Loyola breaking his right leg while recovering he reads the lives of saints and determines to imitate them he will write a famous guide to Christian meditation the spiritual exercises and found the society of Jesus called the Jesuits in 1560 AD the scholar John Feckenham is taken to the Tower of London in England for refusing to take the oath of supremacy. He will spend the next 24 years there. Mm-mm-mm, folks, I tell you what. That's this day in church history. Now, folks, we have a little bit of fun. And name that Bible character. Here is your clue, friend. Here is your clue. I was the king of Judea at the time of the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. Who am I? Here is your clue one more time. I was the king of Judea at the time of the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. Who am I? 
will reveal the final answer to that tantalizing clue following our study segment. So stay tuned, folks, for that exciting reveal in our final segment of Name That Bible Character. Now, folks, get you a hot cup of coffee or a hot cup of tea or whatever drink that you enjoy and like. Let's get our Bibles and let's open up God's fantastic and powerful word. Our study is called Know Your Enemy. We're going to begin in Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I want you to underline that. He says the weight, things that weigh us down, let us remove, lay aside, put aside, and the sin which so easily ensnares us. That word ensnare is translated to entangle. And what does it mean, this ensnare, the sin that so easily ensnares or entangles us? Well, it literally means to be, have someone to skillfully throw something in our path to try to prevent us from running in a race effectively. So who is entangling us? Who is it that is this skilled that he is able to throw anything in our path to cause us to sin? The sin that the writer here says so easily ensnares us. Who, who is doing that? Well, it is Satan, friend. It is Satan. He lies and manipulates and he can cause us to have what is sometimes called a life-dominating sin. Or like it says here, the sin that so easily ensnares us. Now when you sin, friend, it's not like you announced to yourself or to anyone around you that you are willfully... Uh, participating in this abomination before God. It's not like you announce it. That's not how sin operates. You either did something by lying to yourself, that trying to convince yourself that it either wasn't wrong or it wasn't quite as bad as it really was. Now how do we get there? How do we are so easily ensnared by these types of sin. How was it that Adam and Eve was so easily ensnared and tricked and deceived and descending before God? Well, let's turn to John chapter 8 and we're going to talk about the character 
of Satan. John chapter 8. Let's turn there, friend. John chapter 8. And we're going to start in verse 44. In verse 44, Jesus said this. You are of your father, the devil. You are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He, speaking of the devil, of Satan, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him when he speaks a lie. He speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. So Jesus says the character of Satan, the character of the devil is that he is a liar. He twists the truth. He is a murderer of souls. He was a murderer from the beginning. Notice he says here that he speaks from his own resources. Or he has his own language, if you will. He has his, his own way of approaching and doing things. Causing people to sin. And to be enslaved by sin. You see friend. This is a. Life and death. Struggle that we are facing. Satan is the. Our, our accuser. And he is the deceiver. This is for all the marbles. So to speak. It's about your and my soul. We can't play games with this because Satan is here to kill, steal, and to destroy, as Jesus said in John chapter 10. And friend, I'm not here to make you function better or feel better about yourself. I'm here so that the Word of God, so that Jesus Christ, so that the powerful Holy Spirit, through the words of Jesus, through the words of the Holy Writ, will penetrate my heart and convict me of my sin problem. You see, only by yielding to the Savior, only by yielding to Jesus Christ and Him crucified, only through that faith can we ever overcome our sin issues. We're wrestling between forces Forces that want to rob you of your eternity. Forces that want to drag you down and make you an ineffective servant of Jesus Christ. Paul talks a little bit about that in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. Notice he says, We, in verse 12 of Ephesians 6, do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. This is the war we are in. And Satan would like nothing to do 
Peter says, he is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He has his own tactics. He has his way of entrapping us, ensnaring us, tripping us up, skillfully throwing things in our path as we are running in this race to win that final goal of heaven. So let's talk a little bit about this tactics of Satan. Now, we need to be reminded that slavery to sin, as one man once put it, one preacher put it this way, slavery to sin is a way that Satan keeps you occupied so he can pick your pocket. Let me say that one more time. Slavery to sin is a way that Satan keeps you occupied so he can pick your pocket. You remember what Paul said to the Romans in Romans chapter 6, right? In Romans chapter 6, he says that you will either Yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin or yield yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. One or the other. Verse 16, do you not know that whom you will present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves when you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Verse 16. Satan wants to enslave you. And who we yield to matters. So let's talk a little bit about Satan tactics. 2 Corinthians, let's read that first. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and verse 11. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his advice. Of his devices. So Satan will try to take advantage of us. Periodically. Paul says and warns the Corinthians. That we are not to be ignorant of his devices. Of his tactics. Of his bag of tricks. And that word device. Literally means. Uh, something produced by the mind. Plotting, devising. And here he's saying, don't get tripped up. Don't let Satan have advantage over you by these tricks, these devices. Another one is found in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11. Paul says, put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the what? Wiles of the devil. Schemes of the devil. And that word schemes, this word wiles, comes from the word, Greek word, methodeo. It's the methodology of Satan. He has a method of doing things, of trying to trick 
you up and entrap you in his unique way. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14 puts it like this. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. The cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. So Satan has his bags of tricks. Satan has his unique way of doing this thing. Satan has his tactics. And one of the most powerful things that he has on his side is to lure you and I. We're going to be talking about this in our next broadcast. The power of Satan to lure us into sin. So Satan has his tactics. Satan is a liar and a murderer. Know your enemy. It's life or death struggle that we are facing. Let me give you an illustration of the power of Satan to deceive and the life that we could find ourselves into without us even being coming aware. All the way back in the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 44, he's speaking of the problem of the Israelites to turn to idols. And we look at that today and we're just simply going, how in the world could this have done, been done? How could they worship idols seeing all that they could see? The power and the hand of God Himself. Well, Isaiah was talking about this. And he was talking about all the people who were involved in making an idol. He was talking about the craftsman. He was talking about the blacksmith. He was talking about the carpenter. And the fact that starting in verse 14 in Isaiah 44, it says this, the carpenter here, he cuts down cedars or perhaps takes a cypress or an oak. He let it grow among the trees of the forest or planted a pine and the rain made it grow. It is man's fuel for burning. Some of it he takes and warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread. But he also fashions a god and worships it. He makes an idol and bows down to it. Half of the wood he burns in the fire. Over it he prepares his meal. He roasts his meat and eats his fill. He also warms himself and says, Ah, I am warm. I see the fire. From the rest he makes a god, his idol, he bows down to it and worships. Now, I'm sure this was a one of those duh moments of Isaiah going, you go out there and all these people are involved in making this. You go out there and you cut down this tree and you cut down this tree of timber and the tree falls down and half of it you use to cook your meal and enjoy the meal and the other half you make an idol, and you say, you are my God, you created me. And you bow down and worship. How dumb is that? Verse 17, we continue. The rest he makes a God, his idol, he bows down to it and worships. He prays to it and says, save me, you are my God. 
They know nothing. They understand nothing. Their eyes are plastered over so they cannot see and their minds closed so they cannot understand. That's the ability of Satan to manipulate and to, to deceive us. We begin to serve, as Romans 1 says, the creature rather than the creator. Verse 19, no one stops to think, no one has knowledge or understand to say, well, half of it I use for fuel. I even bake bread over its coals. I roast and meat and I ate. Shall I make a detestable thing from what is left? Shall I bow to it? Shall, shall I bow down to a block of wood? It's exasperating. Verse 20 says it all. He feeds on ashes. A deluded heart misleads him. He cannot save himself or say, Is not this thing in my right hand a lie? What a perfect picture of the manipulation and lie of Satan. This is the entrapment. This is the tactics that Satan wants to bring you in and deceive you into thinking that you're doing something right when it is not right at all. We'll continue this study talking about the power of Satan to lure. We're going to be going to James chapter 1 in our next broadcast. So stay tuned, folks, for that continuing study. Remember, only by us yielding to the Savior can we ever expect to overcome the sin that so easily entangles us. That's our study for this broadcast. Thank you so much for listening. And now we have the conclusion to Name That Bible Character. Here was your clue. Here was your clue. I was the king of Judea at the time of the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. Who am I? Well, it was Herod. Matthew 2 verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. I was the king of Judea at the time of the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. Who am I? Herod. In name that Bible character. Well, folks, you too can become a part of the greatest movement ever, a follower of Jesus Christ by giving and submitting your life to Him in baptism. Repent. Have a peace that passes all understanding. My goal here was very simple. That was to encourage you, friend, along the way to help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. Visit our website, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com. Well, friend, I just want to let you know what a privilege and an honor it's been for me to have you walking along my side during this show. May God bless 
you. The Lord reigns. He is a mighty God. The Lord God reigns. The Lord reigns. He is a mighty God. The Lord God reigns. Hey! Great is the Lord Almighty. He is Lord. He's God indeed. Great is the Lord Almighty. He is God supreme. Great is the Lord Almighty. He is Lord. He's God indeed. Great is the Lord. Great is the Lord. The Lord reigns. He is a mighty God. The Lord God reigns. The Lord reigns. He is a mighty God. The Lord God reigns. Jesus died to set us free. He became sin for you and me. He paid the cost on Calvary. The Lamb of God to take away sin.